This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, you're listening to Pressing Matters, the show where we go behind the headlines and explore issues driving the press. I'm Shazana Mukhtar. In the Indian state of Karnataka, protests have been taking place for weeks over a recent policy decision that female Muslim students cannot wear the hijab in schools. The issue has gained international attention after a video of a Muslim student being heckled by far-right protesters as she tried to enter the college went viral. The case has put a spotlight on religious freedom in India and the worrying rise of sectarian politics under Prime Minister Narendra Modi's government. So to help us understand the dynamics on the ground, joining me today is Kavita Chowdhury, an independent journalist from India who writes on development, politics, gender and culture. Kavita, good morning. Thank you very much for joining me today. Good morning, and I'm so glad to be able to join you. Now, let's get a background onto the controversy, yeah? Because when you think about it, many women in India, regardless of their faith, do cover their heads in their day-to-day lives. So why has the controversy over the Muslim hijab in schools come up in recent weeks? See, Shazana, uh, what needs to be understood as to how this controversy suddenly erupted? It was in December, end of December, December 28th around, it came up in the news that you had certain schools in the coastal belt of Karnataka, which is the southern state, uh, suddenly not being allowed to enter school where you had uh, Muslim girls who had been wearing hijab for quite some time without any episode, suddenly not being allowed to enter schools. Now, they started, uh, uh, you know, camping outside the gates and uh, it became very visual because uh, then they were denied entry. They were camping outside the gates. And uh, what was essentially an episode in one school in uh, southern Karnataka then got replicated in five other schools in the region. Hmm. Okay, so it picked up steam and uh, so to speak of. And then, uh, okay, you must also understand in the southern state of Karnataka, it is the ruling regime of the BJP, which is in power in the government. Mm -hmm. That happens to be the same government or the same uh, political party that is in power at the center as well. Mm. Okay. Uh, Now, I only say this to uh, make you understand that the BJP has a pro-right-wing majoritarian outlook. Mm. Okay. So, uh, Uh, So when this got replicated in five other schools, then this became a huge issue. You had media picking it up. And uh, thereafter, because it became so viral, so to speak, with social media and everybody having cell phones, then suddenly you had the state government coming out because there were all these uh, issues like, you know, who put in this... Uh, ban, why could it uh, suddenly happen? Mm. You had the state government coming out with an order. Okay, even before that order, I might tell you that a very um, contentious, uh, uh, contentious politics started taking place. As soon as you had students 
coming out, uh, students saying we want entry into the campuses wearing the hijab, you had students of the uh, of the Hindu faith and the influenced by right wing agenda, whatever, sporting saffron shawls. Mm. Okay, saffron is the color associated with uh, uh, the right wing. Mm. Okay. So when this contentious politics started taking place, the government came, state government of Karnataka came out with an order, which uh, asked all uh, government institutions and PUCs out there, as they are known as the pre-university colleges, to have a standard uniform dress code. And it said that the uniform dress code should not disturb the equality, integrity and the public law and order. You know, so okay, Kavita, that's very interesting. So it started out with one school, then it went to five schools, and then the state government came in with this broad policy ruling. What what would you say is the rationale for this ruling, and 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 does it include all forms of religious dress? Because it started out with this hijab ban. Are we seeing a similar uh, the rule apply to other forms of religious uh, ceremonial dress? Now, uh, let me just say that these are not schools. These are colleges. Okay. Okay. These are pre-university colleges. Okay. And uh, if you ask about what was the rationale, the government uh, of the uh, state said that we are just talking about uniformity. We are talking. They said that it was about um, having everybody or uh, come to school in a uniform. That is a non-discriminatory policy. Mm. But it, and you know, they also see when it became very contentious, they also seemed to say the state education minister, etc., went on record to say that we, you know, the twist given was uh, liberating uh, uh, Muslim girls. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the that seemed, you must understand the context in which it came. Okay. Now, if we are to that seem, those claims seem to ring hollow to people who know the politics uh, of the region and, uh, so to speak, of the right wing that is taking place. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the fact that it started in the coastal Karnataka and not in any other part of the country is because that region and that area has been a stronghold of right wing organizations for over a decade. Mm-hmm. And they have been discriminatory in their policies against minorities, against minority Muslims, against minority Christians. And uh, so this just didn't come out of the blue. That's the first thing. And, uh, uh, you know, so there is a background to it. And second of all, the, uh, when you say that, uh, is it applicable only to uh, uh, Muslims and the hijab, Muslim girls and the hijab, Well, if you see the order per se, the order says that it's against all forms of religious dress. But the ones here being told not to step into schools with their religious dress are the Muslim girls. Because if you are aware of the diverse religions in India, there are also, there is the Sikh religion in India, Sikhism, Mm -hmm. where they wear the turban as a form of religious identity. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the state government there hasn't said anything about the turban, so to speak of. So when they talk about another thing, not bringing religion into the classroom, that's where critics, feminists, liberals, and those uh, who uh, 
challenge the government and its majoritarian policies seem to have an issue. Mm-hmm. Okay, and please understand, unlike other countries, all of this uh, plays in the backdrop of India being a secular country, a sec- uh, secular democratic republic. Right, right. Before we're going to talk more about um, just the sectarian politics and right wing politics that have that has come up over the past few years, but staying on this issue of the hijab ban, can you talk a little bit about how the controversy has affected schools and education institutions in Karnataka? As you mentioned earlier, there had been protests between the two sides of the debate, and um, what actions have been taken to challenge the ban by students who are affected? What's what's the what's the legal process looking like at the moment? Okay, so uh, if we are talking about, you know, what was being, how it is being challenged, uh, uh, the uh, I would like to tell you that, um, you know, the perspective on which this has happened, it also, as you mentioned in the beginning, there was this student, you know, a single, we are all in the age of social media and cameras and cell phones. And so that student uh, uh, in a town called Mandia, which is 100 kilometers from the from Bangalore, the IT capital, Silicon Valley, uh, suddenly being heckled by a group of saffron-clad students. That and her rallying, uh, you know, her standing up to those who were trying to heckle her, that actually put it on the front pages. Even if people were trying to take it off, mm. it put it on the front pages. And because of all these problems that were happening, it even started spreading right across the state. And that's when the state government uh, suddenly declared a a three-day holiday initially Mm -hmm. against uh, all educational institutions. It spread from colleges to schools, you know, spread in the sense that the holiday was there. And this is sad. If you consider that we are just returning to educational institutions, the sectarian politics uh, we are just returning to schools and colleges after a two-year lockdown, a two-year uh, staying away from campus, mm. you know, induced by the pandemic. Okay, so that's sad. And now, as if you're talk, if you're wanting to find out about the what's been the uh, response, well, the response in terms of uh, the students thereafter went to court. They went to the state high court, which was the Karnataka High Court. Initially, it was a single judge who took up the issue after a two-day hearing uh, because it contained, the court had to deal with the thing, is the hijab an expression, an essential expression uh, of religious faith of Islam? Mm -hmm. Now, because it concerned other constitutional issues that the court thought needed to be dealt with, in greater depth, mm. the court transferred it to a larger bench, meaning a, a three-judge bench. So it is a three-judge bench. This is the legal repercussion, mm-hmm. you know, because there is another social thing that is happening. The legal repercussion is a three-judge bench is deliberating over the matter. At the moment, as we speak, there is an interim order by this three-judge bench, which says that, uh, you know, no form of uh, religious dress is to be allowed in campuses in Karnataka. Mm. Okay, so that is there in place as of now. People are not very happy with it. But the court says until we decide the matter, that's the way it's going to stay. Okay, 
Okay, so the court is going to be taking up the matter, and at the uh, and just uh, to round this off, that uh, you know it is also impacting other states, other states where BJP, the ruling regime, is in power. It is having repercussions out there as well. Yeah. I'm speaking to independent journalist Kavita Chowdhury. We're taking a quick break. And when we come back, we discuss the broader landscape of right-wing politics in India and why some international observers have even warned against genocide there. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Thanks for staying tuned to Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. I'm Shazana, and today I'm speaking to Kavita Chowdhury, independent journalist from India on the hijab controversy in India and what's driving sectarian politics there. So just before the break, we were getting a bit of background on what the hijab uh, ban is all about. It's currently in court at the moment. They're waiting for uh, the, a three-bench court uh, ruling to decide on this. Um, but the hijab ban is taking place against a broader uh, backdrop of concern over the rising prevalence of hate speech against Muslims and minorities in India. Uh, Kavita, could you help explain why has communal politics become increasingly negative over the past decade? So, uh, uh, you know, what you need to understand even is, uh, as we discuss, why has it, we are talking about the time, you know, the uh, why has it happened just at this juxtaposition in time? Mm. So you must, uh, uh, you know, see this in the context of that there are, uh, you know, uh, there are state elections happening in five uh, states and, uh, uh, you know, observers and Anybody who's aware of uh, uh, politics in India knows that there has been a spike and there has been a consistent spurt in uh, uh, in hate, uh, as we call it, communal politics out here. Okay, there has been a spurt in hate politics, in divisiveness, etc., prompted by the ruling regime, by the ruling dispensation, because it believes in polarization. We mm-hmm. call it religious polarization out here. Okay. And when we mean by religious polarization, it is uh, in terms of if we uh, talk about emotive issues instead of real issues like, you know, talking about uh, talking about governance, talking about accountability of the government, talking about health care, economy, <laughs> economy, etc. These things that should be driving elections. Instead of that, if you talk about emotive issues, religious polarization, it stands to benefit the ruling regime. You have a consolidation of the Hindu vote. So instead of voting along caste lines, if you know the way politics happens in India, a lot of voting happens along class caste lines. Okay, upper caste, lower caste, Mm -hmm. and according to different affiliations. Instead of that, if you have all uh, majoritarians voting en bloc, okay, then it helps the ruling regime mm-hmm. if it happens to be the right-wing regime. So uh, that is the uh, reason why there has been an increasing communal politics and polarization in India. And uh, to talk about uh, the other thing, whether, you know, uh, one of the issues that we must not lose sight of, because that's what is continuously that at the end of the day, there are many liberals who, feminists who have spoken up, if I might bring back the hijab issue Mm -hmm. and any other minority rights issue, you you know, whether it be the hijab, whether it be the veil, and you might have issues with 
it being a symbol of patriarchy okay mm. but the context you have to understand is that's not the re- reason that it is driving it it is an uh, what is driving it is to create polarization and as of now we are talking about choice you have many leaders coming up and saying it's about the women's agency it is about her choice okay so we're talking about increasing communal polarization and the politics that's happening around elections very interesting i, I do understand that uh, uttar pradesh which is a bjp stronghold as well is currently undergoing its elections this month so i can see how um the political class would want to uh sort of hype up this this issue for their benefit um another worrying um element that i've noticed from international observers kavita is that uh, some human rights groups have raised the alarm over the potential uh, for genocide in india and genocide really isn't a term that can be used like at all. So what are you concerned about these these sort of uh, patterns happening in India? What are what are some of the um, reasons for the international community to pay attention to what's going on in India at the moment? Okay, so, uh, you know, uh, as we as you're saying, when I refer to spike in hate politics in India, that means there is in increasing polarization, there is discrimination. These are all steps as those who study hate politics say that are very worrying concerns, you know, discrimination, uh, othering of a certain community, othering of minorities. So those become very real threats. Okay. And uh, uh, those are steps which gradually, as uh, Gregory Stanton of the organization called uh, Genocide Watch, You know, he was the one, if you're talking about the international community, he's the one who raised a flag and he was addressing a U.S. congressional briefing. And when he said, it seems that India is very dangerously close to the stage, and he said it's a worrying concern called extermination. Now, when he meant, and he was doing this because he compared it to other uh, genocides elsewhere. Now, the Indian official response has been to counter this, okay? Because the Indian state has officially responded to these uh, allegations, okay? Or charges as you speak. But this is because there is, uh, it happens in a backdrop of a lot of hate speech. There are increasing lynchings and hate crimes and uh, women being, uh, minority women being auctioned on uh, apps, I don't know if you're aware of, there was this controversy in the backdrop of some time where uh, minority women were suddenly found themselves being auctioned on these apps. So it is a matter of concern that there is a spike. It could be close to a um, hit we could we could definitely genocide. see we could definitely see things spiral beyond control at this point. Kavita, there's so much to discuss, and uh, we hope to have you back on in the future as this story develops and we see how the court rules on the hijab ban. There, uh, thank you very much for your time and insights this morning. I've been speaking to Kavita Chowdhury, an independent journalist from India who writes on development, politics, gender, and culture. This has been pressing matters on the morning run. We have the 10 a.m. news bulletin coming up next, and then it's over to Enterprise BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.